Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. Welcome to the podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us for this episode, uh, counting down our last episodes of season one. Going to be going to season two starting on Monday. Monday, 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 Monday. Monday. Season two will be the Psalms. So be sure to subscribe. Let people know about Text Talk. Send us an email, uh, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. We'd love to hear from you, and we sure hope you'll be with us for the Psalms. All right, we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. We're going to read the second to last paragraph of this book. Let's do it. Acts chapter 28, verses 23 through 28. This is the English Standard Version. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So isn't it interesting how Luke tells this part of the story? By saying, and they all left after Paul said this. <laughs> yeah. And then you read what Paul said, you're like, yeah, that was kind of a, we finally get a finished sermon in the book of Acts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, I think one of the things we've got to keep in mind is let's think about structure of the book, rhetorical point. Luke has been driving like a spearhead to this point. And one of the very last things he says is this gospel is going to the Gentiles. They'll listen. That's right. That's right. Judgment is going to come upon you because you're not listening. And as I'm reading this today, I mean, as we're on the the air here, as I'm reading this today, something hits me as I I, I remember I read a book one time, uh, Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes. Oh, yeah. And one of the yeah. principles that were presented in that book was the idea of, for as Westerners, we think very individualistically. Right. And so I think normally when I come to this and I hear that some of them were convinced but others disbelieved, I think from an individualized standpoint that means, well, some people followed and some people didn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. say that. And from an Eastern perspective, in the group mindset, and notice it says some some were convinced and others disbelieved right, and disagreeing yeah. among themselves, they departed. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul's statement to them does not seem to acknowledge, well, some of you believed. And again, coming from a very individualistic mindset, I'm thinking, why doesn't Paul acknowledge that some of them believed? Well, when I go back to that group mindset yeah. that we had that they had in that eastern world it's because yeah some were convinced but some didn't and disagreeing they left not hey we're fussing with one another some of us are going to follow and some of us aren't but these guys as a group are trying to decide what are we going to be passing on to the jews in rome right and it's more like we're going to do this by committee and right. we have to right. have consensus right and even the ones who are convinced may very well not follow the gospel if the group doesn't decide this is what we're going to do. Wow. Wow. 
And so Paul addresses this with a group perspective in mind. These guys are disagreeing and not making the change and not going back to their Jewish communities to say, this is the thing we're going to do. They're actually arguing among themselves. Honestly, it's very similar to um, synods and councils that get together and they argue and they debate and they discuss. And then at the end, they finally vote. And then they write a document that says, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it may be 52 against 48 to go the the doctrine they've decided to choose. But then the other 48 just go along because that's what they're supposed to do. We've argued about it. We've debated it. And that's who won. Yeah. It's a very political method. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm going to follow because I believe it no matter what the rest of the group says. I would say that even uh, building a bridge to our highly, perhaps hyper-individualized yeah. culture, uh, we can't escape as individuals, as people, a pull to fit in with a group. No. And whether that group is a family or whether it's a you know a larger social group of friends, um, you know maybe even a, a congregation where we're apart, uh, it's hard sometimes. Well, there are pros and cons to the group mindset of that Eastern ancient mind, and there are pros and cons to the modern individual mindset. You can sure. you can have a hyper group mindset that says, "Well, the group is doing something I know is wrong, but I'm going to do it." Right. And right. that's that's something the gospel preached against. That was really the message the gospel was against. We need to be individual enough that if the group is doing wrong. I'm going to serve God, and we'll we'll form this other group that's going to serve God. Well, I was going to say, and even in creating this new group, this church that's going to have Gentiles and Jews, um, there's there's a new identity there from an Eastern perspective. But to be in that group, there was enough assertion of individual choice and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ that it meant breaking ties with whatever religion you were growing up in or a social group or a family uh, it was a very challenging thing. Well, so what we have oftentimes in the scripture is you've got to you've got to be more individualistic. You've got to move away from your group. The problem is, is that 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 individual mindset has now taken over the West. Oh, yeah. And instead of getting to the place that I think God was intending it, that, yes, be individualistic enough to leave a group that is wrong to follow God, to follow God. But what he was also doing was establishing another group. But but what our culture has adopted yeah. is, well, oh, be an individual. Right. And so now be so individual that it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. I'm going to try to not be a part of a group. And so today often the message is, no, no, we, we need to get you back to a group. You, you've got to get back to being a part of the family of God. Your Your Christianity, your religion is not just you out on a hill under the stars praying to God because you and God got this. No, there there is a group. There is a family. There is and, a church. And you need to come to be a part of that. So we see yeah. the, the swing in those cultures. But – as Paul addresses these guys, he does address them as if the group has rejected. And I and I think that's why, that what, what we just explained. He is, he, is perception, he is perceiving this group rejection. Yeah. And so it calls to mind the prophecy. He says prophecy is being what? Fulfilled in your midst? Yes. What, what do you see going on there? Yeah. Well, Isaiah chapter 6, and it's. It's a frightening prophecy. It Paul, is. Paul adjusts the wording just a little bit, but boy, back in Isaiah chapter 6, this passage that Paul is quoting, Andrew says some really shocking things. In fact, I think it's one of the most difficult things to deal with in all of Scripture because it basically sounds like God is saying, Isaiah, I am sending you to close people's eyes and stop people's ears and dull people's hearts because if that doesn't happen, they're going to repent, and I don't want that. I, I want to judge them. Mm. However, that is not what he was saying in Isaiah's day, and that's not what Paul is attributing to these Jews. Paul's job is not to 
close eyes, not to harden hearts. What, what's happening in Isaiah's day, and in fact, I'm just going to go back and read from Isaiah chapter 6. And I have to admit that, that uh, what has really helped me in understanding this is, um, oh, uh, let's see here. We Become What We Worship by G.K. Beale. For a moment, my name blanked on who the author was. So I just want to give a shout out on that. We Become What We Worship by G.K. Okay. Beale. It's a great, great book. It really helped me in my understanding of Isaiah chapter 6. And what he pointed out, and I think he's absolutely right, is that in Isaiah chapter 6, God is declaring to Israel that judgment has already started. We, we have an idea that God is saying, well, look, you guys have a, a chance here, but I'm not going to let you have the chance. I'm going to stop you from having your chance so that I can judge you later. He's actually saying that judgment has already started. Mm. In Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 8, he actually highlights what's going on in Israel for Jerusalem. Excuse me, that's 3.8. Let me get back to 2.8. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands to what their own fingers have made. This is the problem in Israel at the time Isaiah is speaking. So in chapter 6, he says this. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. So he's saying, look... I want, I want their eyes, their ears dulled, their hearts hardened, their eyes blinded because this judgment is coming. What's happening? This is actually the judgment of God coming upon them because of their idolatry. In Psalm 115 and Psalm 135, God makes it very clear. The idols of the people made by men's hands, mm -hmm. the works of their fingers. They have eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, yeah. noses yeah. that don't smell, feet that don't walk, hands that don't feel. And those who trust in them become like them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what we see happening is the judgment for idolatry. You turn to idols, you become like your idols. You have eyes that don't see, you have ears that don't hear, you have hearts that don't understand. And the crazy thing about it is when you trust in idols, hearing the gospel doesn't open your eyes. It, it actually causes you to close them even more. Not because the gospel is bad, not because God is bad, because you're trusting in idols. And so even the message to get you out of the judgment pushes people further down in the judgment. It's, it's kind of like that old illustration that people have said, the same sun that uh, softens the wax, hardens the clay. Yeah. And so yeah. it's that same picture. So what's God saying through Isaiah? Judgment's here. Mm -hmm. You guys have gone into idolatry. Even as I send my prophet to declare the truth to you, it's just going to harden you. And but, Paul is saying the same thing is going on in his day. Yeah. Uh, and a, a theme that we saw earlier in Acts chapter 7 was Stephen. Uh, he seems to be calling out the Sanhedrin in that place that they have made the temple into their idol and the the law of Moses into their idol. And, and they heard that message so much that they drug him out and stoned him for preaching it. That is so right. Of course, Paul is not saying to the Jews, you guys are worshiping statues because they weren't. They were very opposed to that. After the Babylonian captivity, that was something that was almost never a problem among right. the Jews. What are they doing? Again, see this message that Luke has been pushing all the way through Acts. And we go back to Stephen's sermon. What had they idolized? The temple. Yeah. In fact, in that sermon, he makes clear to say, how was that temple built? Mm -hmm. With hands. Mm -hmm. With hands. 
And, and that's the same thing that's said about all these idols. And they were idolizing the law of Moses. And this is what's fascinating. Here are a couple of good things. The yeah. temple was a good thing. These things came from God. Moses' law pattern. was a good thing. He gave it on the mountain. Moses was a good man. Yeah. Humble. Humblest man on earth. But they had idolized these things so much that they missed, excuse me, they missed where those things were pointing. And that was to Jesus. Yeah. They missed God that those things were leading to because they had made essentially gods out of the temple, out of the law, out of Moses. And so we've got this same problem. You're idolizing your traditions. You're idolizing even these gifts from God. And before we say, well, how on earth can that happen? Do you remember that bronze serpent that they set up when the snakes came in and were yes. killing them? And later it tells us they had turned that, that bronze serpent into Nehushtan. Mm-hmm. They had idolized this gift from God. Yeah. So the takeaway for me today, mm-hmm. as I think about this, I've got to make sure that I'm not idolizing my methods, my traditions, my uh, anything. I've got to make sure that my focus is on the one true living real God, that the mission is about making disciples. The mission is about leading people to him, not just to anything else, even even things that God has provided, like the church. Yeah. How easy it might be to idolize the church. And, and I, there I'm talking about the church in its real sense. But sure. but I might also idolize what a lot of people call the church, which is the building. Yeah. I think yeah. it's perfectly legitimate for churches to have meeting places, but I can idolize those. Yeah. Or the methods we have. I can idolize the, the way we've done things. And, and when I do that, I end up losing the mission and I lose God. My eyes are, are blinding. My ears are getting dull. I think there's a great lesson here, too, about remembering my place in a community. And I don't need to be so radically individual that it's me and God out and under the stars away from the world that he has a community, his church and people I need to be a part of. But at the same time, to be a voice of commitment to God and God's path uh, in that community and leading that community um, is is so important for us to remember. Well, there's just been some great things that we've unpacked here at this latter half of Acts chapter 28. We'd love to know what you're reading, what you're learning. Uh, send us an email, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. And well, why don't we conclude with a word of prayer? Would you lead us? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had to talk about your word today for just a few moments. And the, the depth that's here as Paul is referring back to Isaiah and how easy it is for me, I know, to look back and think about how bad those guys were and the idolatry in their heart. I pray that you remove all idolatry from my heart, all idolatry from our heart, that you would be our God, you would be our only God, Father, Son, and Spirit, Lord God. Please uh, fill our hearts and our minds with you so that all of these other things we will use as your gifts all of these other things we will use as the tools that you have provided for us, but they will not become our gods and blind us to your truth. May our hearts and minds always be open. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, that we may magnify and glorify you. God, we love you so very much. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. We'd love to hear from you. Christians do what here? Christians meet here. It sounded a lot like you said Christians marry here. So oh, I really? I wanted to correct that. They only meet. It is the number one single site for Christians where they meet <laughs> and marry. No, 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 no. That they assemble here. That's what we do. Christians meet here. Dot org.